Have you ever wanted to start your very own podcast? Sorry, that's a dumb question. Of course you wanted to start your own podcast. Podcasting's amazing. Head on over to Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Use promo code GAMEPINIONS. And then you, that's right, you listening to this right now, you can have a free month of podcast hosting service. And also, if you take that promo code, you can also get a free month of stats so you can keep track of that podcast that you're working so hard on. Blueberry is incredible, and the features are simply amazing. I don't have time to talk about them, though, because I have to start my own show. So after this episode of Game Pinions, make sure you head on over to Blueberry.com, look up what it is all about, use promo code Game Pinions, and get started on an adventure of a lifetime. Welcome to Game Pinions episode 22. I'm your host, Calman, and today I'm joined by the man with the perpetual deficiency in bubblegum. TJ, how's it going? Uh, it's going good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, that took me forever to think of that up, and uh, I messed it up even now, so whatever. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> There's always next time. That's, uh, that's the Game Pinion slogan. There's always next time, or like the Cleveland Browns. So, um, last episode, we kind of... Talked about some uh, Sonic-type related things. We're going to kind of move away from that today. But I just wanted to point out before we get into anything that the day after our podcast posted, Paramount Pictures announced that Sonic got delayed until February 14th, 2020. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that Paramount Pictures might be a really big Game Pinions fan. So... Just, just want to throw that out there. We uh, predicted that very well, and it seems like our instructions were followed. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just in time for your birthday weekend. Yay! Yeah, Yay. yeah, it'll uh, be a great uh, birthday present going there the the day before. I don't think I'll want to celebrate anything after that. That's right. Uh, but no, I think that's actually a really good decision on their part, and I'm happy that that's the direction they took. I think it was fair for everyone involved to delay that process and let them have a little bit more time to work on it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they uh, they had that. Uh, I guess on Jeff Fowler's Twitter, they he had that picture where Sonic with a gloved hand is holding up that sign, you know, and he he writes just trying to make Sonic as as good as possible. Uh, so I appreciate him t- really making a bold decision to push that back. It's probably the right decision. Yeah, I think so too. I think that was definitely the right call on their part. I think it saves us. Uh, <laughs> It saves us to to witness, uh, you know, a really poor product for them to put out there, and we still might get that. But at least it seems like they're very dedicated in trying to make the fans a little bit happier, um, which is something that is always good to see. Yeah, we 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 should appreciate that. So hopefully it works out for them. Yeah, I hope I hope they definitely turn that that uh, you know project around. I hope it writes the ship, and hopefully it's uh, smooth sailing from uh, here on out. I know they have a lot of work ahead of them. So TJ, playing anything this week? Uh. Uh, I think in between last time, uh, I said I was playing Dark Souls 2. I did eventually beat that. I haven't done the DLC or Dark Lurker, one of the more famous bosses in that game, or so I hear. Okay. Yet, so I was still working on that. Uh, I've really, this past week, dived into a lot of 
Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 and uh, Dark Souls Remastered co-op. That's basically what I've been doing when I've, uh, you know, come home from work. Okay. Just just co-op and, you know, uh, browsing those two subreddits. Now, Dark Souls 2, if I remember correctly, that was kind of a lot of people's, like, least favorite of the series. Like, do you have, like, any idea of why that might be the case? So it definitely is the weakest in terms of boss fights, and the version I've been playing is Scholar of the First Sin, which is uh, a bit of a... What they've done is they've added more mobs, so the challenge of Dark Souls 2 is really navigating the levels, not really the bosses. Okay. There are a couple that definitely have a lot of HP, and you got to kind of be patient and all that, but most of the time you can breeze through a lot of these bosses that surround a whole bunch of enemies in a single room. It's really not that big of a deal. But there are areas where you do get overwhelmed if you're not prepared for it, but even that doesn't seem that bad. I haven't really got stuck in an area uh, playing this game. So I haven't played the best parts of the game yet uh, so far. I mean, it's still fun. I, mean, I think I think with, you know, Dark Souls 2 is, yeah, it doesn't hold up uh, against Bloodborne or the nostalgia and classic uh, Dark Souls. Uh, but it is still a good game. It's just uh, of those uh, handful of games, it's the worst one. But I haven't even played the best parts yet, and I still enjoyed myself well, even though it was the last game of the series I played. Okay. Yeah, because I was always curious about that because I, I've only played a tiny bit of the original Dark Souls, and when it comes to Dark Souls 2, I don't really know a whole lot about it. So I was kind of curious just like to, to see your take on that. I mean, the version I play, you know, 60 frames per second. It definitely is kind of weird. It definitely sets itself apart by the art style and all that, but that's one of my favorite parts about it. You know, the level design is so varied from level to level. I mean, everything looks different, so they really did a good job with that. That's actually one of the things that really struck out to me about the, fir- uh, about the first Dark Souls. Yeah. You know, Bloodborne, despite being probably the best of that set, it probably has the worst level variety. I mean, it's just, you know, you're in a Victorian city and you go to another city and it's all looks the same, in my opinion, uh, with, with a couple of exceptions. Fishing Hamlet, for one, uh, looks totally different than the rest of the game, which is a, which was a nice change. But Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls, uh, just... You know, you get lava levels and forest levels and ice levels and et cetera, et cetera. And you're not, not saying you don't have that in Bloodborne, but uh, it really does expand on it and sets the part. Dark Souls 2 sets itself apart by having a very nice uh, palette of color that you play through. Okay. Yeah, because I, I just, I don't know. I've always, just because every time I've, I've listened to people talk about the game, they always seemed very disappointed, especially coming from one. Um, but that was, if I remember correctly, it was developed by somebody different, though. It wasn't the original Dark Soul creator that really had a heavy hand in that game, correct? I know in the credits of Scholar of the First Sin, I think they have Miyazaki as one of the supervisors. Okay. But I don't think it has him listed as the director. Uh, so I don't think he's listed as director on either Scholar of the First Sin or Scholar of the First Sin or Vanilla Dark Souls Two. Okay. So yeah, I think it was done by different people, or it wasn't. He just had less involvement, and that's why, you know, you've you, some of those bosses from Dark Souls are household names, Ornstein and Ornstein and Smog, for example, and um, what's another one? I mean, Taurus Demon. Even though that's the first boss in the game, you know, the 
the guy in the Firelink Shrine's like, oh, a Taurus demon. Oh, he beat you up, right? <laughs> uh, it's just things like that. So they're almost like so there's a lot of bosses in there, uh, fairly iconic. Of course, Lord of Cinder as well, Gwyn. Uh, but, you know, you've got bosses in Dark Souls 2 where it's like the Rat King and you just fight a, fight a whole bunch of rats and like the skeleton mob, whatever they call that, there's a whole bunch of skeletons come at you. It's just, just low quality <laughs> bosses. Yeah. And that's what people love Dark Souls for, the boss fights. But Dark Souls 2's, uh, Dark, Soul 2, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of First Sin, is really how to navigate the level. That's where the challenge is. So it is different. Okay. Yeah, I kind of feel like that one's kind of like similar to maybe like a cult classic in a way. Maybe some people prefer that more. But I, I don't know. Once you know how again, they call Dar- uh, Legend of Zelda like a black sheep? You know, uh, Zelda 2, the Adventure Link, a black sheep. That's kind of what yeah. Dark Souls 2 is in this series. Okay, which I actually like that game a lot. So. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It's like what the angry video game nerd once said. It's something. It's a game you either love or you hate. And uh, when I played it, I'm like, this is fantastic for being this old of a game. This is really good. Oh yeah, and the fact that they've just you know completely swapped it from the original game. It's just completely different style. Like that was that was actually really really cool. It was a ballsy move to just completely change it up for having only two games. One which is an absolute classic, original Legends of Zelda, and changing it up to a side scroller was a really bold move. And I I never played the original Zelda. So I have nothing to be disappointed by. Yeah. When I picked up Venture Link, it was just an old game that I had no expectations for. That I saw this one guy play on YouTube. I'm like, that doesn't look that bad. I'm going to check it out. And sure enough, it's a it's a gem. It's amazing. Just farm yeah. a little bit in the beginning so nothing really holds you back. And it's a fun game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very ambitious for the time. Um, I have been playing uh, MLB like usual. Uh, me and John are actually going to probably have like a little bonus episode talking about our uh, marathon of a game. Um, yeah, we like for I've, I posted on Instagram and we actually looked up. I forget what teams it was, but it kind of showed, I guess, the oldest MLB game in history. And it actually played out the exact same way that our game played out. Just a few less innings. I think they went 33, um, but it actually showed they scored like it was 0-0 game. Somebody scored a run in like the 20 something inning, and then that bottom of the half, the the bottom inning, they scored another one. And then eventually, you know, the other team scored again, and that was it. But it actually played out in a very similar way. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, But I'll, you know, in that that special little bonus episode, um, definitely talk about that a lot more. I just, you know, spoiler alert, it was awful. Um, It was like a three hour game. And I hope it never happens again. But we'll go over all the stats and all the crazy stuff that that happened with that. Um, so it's going to be very interesting, I think. I think it'll be very entertaining. Did you already tell us? Can you reveal to us how long the game was? It was 35 innings. So yeah, 35 it was innings, almost four games of baseball. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, you know, I had to go to work the next morning. And neither one of us wanted to quit, but both of us just wanted it to be over. Like, it was painful. It was really bad. We were running out of pitchers. It's just it, the whole thing was a nightmare. But we'll go over all the different stats and stuff. Um, in fact, maybe we'll just have uh, John on, and we'll both be here, and we'll talk to him what, what he thought about the game. I think that would actually be pretty hilarious. Right. I'm sure he'd like to talk about it because I think the two marathon games you guys played, he won both of them. Well, actually, the the one that we went 15, I think I actually won that on a uh, Gene Segura Gene Segura home run. Oh, um, okay. So I think I actually did win that one. He got some revenge on you then. Oh, God, yeah, but it was like, you know. Twice over. Yeah. Over, twice over. Yes, that was extremely demoralizing. Um, (laughs) 
But besides that, uh, I'm also playing uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Uh, me and Kimberly both uh, got those two games this past weekend. Um, and this is her first Pokemon game. Um, so this is obviously, it's like probably, what, the third time I've played through the Kanto region. I haven't played Pokemon since uh, X and Y, I think, which I did not like. Um, this one, I will say it's very easy, but that's kind of what the design was for. I mean, it was meant to be a really easy, approachable Pokemon game. But just like looking at the uh, the world now and thinking back to when you played it, it's crazy just like how much things have changed over the years. You know, going from that sprite-based, you know, system there with like, you know, the little buildings and the little, you know, sprite sounds. And it's it's crazy to see how much it's grown um, I will say, though, that the one thing that I think that these newer 3D graphics kind of really amplify for me is how bare and how small those little towns are in that game. Like, back when you played it on the Game Boy, it's like, you know, these are huge towns, and you're just this little, you know, Pokemon trainer. You're walking through them. But now it's like, okay, well, there's a, there's a mart. There's a healing station. There's a couple houses. And... Sometimes there's a gym, and that's it. So I haven't played those games. It's funny how you describe Pokemon, an easily approachable Pokemon game. There hasn't been a non-easily approachable Pokemon game in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably, uh, you know, it's not as if I had played all the Pokemon games since 1996, but, you know, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, uh, Red and Blue Rescue Team had some wild stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of difficulty there, but... Uh, are you enjoying that game so far? Uh, I'm enjoying it in terms of it being like nostalgic because Pokemon Leaf Green was probably my favorite Pokemon game. Right. Like looking back, obviously Silver was the first one I played. Um, I really liked that a lot because you get to go to the two different regions. But there's something about just, I guess the way that they, I guess the way they kind of just set up Leaf Green and how it was just kind of like, I think... That was the second uh, Pokemon game that came out on the Game Boy Advance, if I remember correctly, because Ruby right. and Sapphire were first. Yep. But just the way, like the presentation and all of that, for whatever reason, like the even like the character design, it really stuck with me back then. And you know the additions they made to that game, um, like the extra islands they added in, and then the stupid mini games that for some reason we enjoyed to play. Right. No idea why. Yeah. Uh, but then there's like little hot springs and stuff like that. You could catch all legendary birds. Really fun. So being able to go and revisit that again, it definitely brings back some memories. Um, so I've I've actually I've been enjoying it just from a kind of relax and play through it because it's there's not a lot of resistance. I mean, you pretty much just destroy everything you play against. But just seeing everything, it's just a kind of a good trip. Um, because I'm trying to get like hyped for the newer Pokemon games, right? And I haven't really been excited about a Pokemon game since X and Y, and I think it really let me down. Um, I feel like Pokemon feels really stale to me in many ways. I feel like the the characters are, or not like you know, like the NPC is like there's never really anything interesting they're saying. It's all it all kind of feels like the same. Like they'll make a statement about their Pokemon, or they'll make a statement about where they're living. But there's no real like reason to talk to half the NPCs in the game. And that's always been kind of an issue for me with the game because it just doesn't feel like it's really 
like inhabited by anything besides like the Pokemon. Like there's no real interesting characters. Like when you had like red and blue, like those were kind of like, you know, they were kind of like legendary characters and characters that, you know, were really interesting because you don't really know about them, but they just, they're existing in that world and they're super strong, but you don't really have that. Um, you know, with these, I guess the newer games, there's not really like that, you know, the secret, like really strong trainers that are probably stronger than like the elite four and, and stuff like that. And really this, this whole problem for me started after playing earthbound, which I find the two games very similar earthbound though. You talk to anybody, they either have something funny to say or just something completely ridiculous to say. And I just wish Pokemon had something similar to that. Obviously you can't really go crazy with it because it doesn't fit like the, I guess the world that they're in or the situation that they're in. But I just wish they had something similar where when you talk to people, they would tell you a lot of like useful information or they, you know, just have something at least a little funny to say. So that's kind of like where I stand with Pokemon in a way. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't been excited about a Pokemon game. This doesn't mean I haven't played a Pokemon game since heart gold, but that was like the last one that I really was into. Yeah, I played a hell of a lot of platinum. I played a hell of a lot of heart gold, but and even though I'd say that Generation Five's story wise is the best, uh, after that I really just didn't have any desire to play any more until that whole Twitch plays Pokemon thing. And they eventually got to I think after they did the first one they did Crystal, um, and what they did, I'm pretty sure this is how this happened, because some one way or another, I found a ROM that I could play on my phone uh, with an emulator, of course, a, a Crystal, a Pokemon Crystal version, where you could make it, instead of just, you know, bop, 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 walking through the level at that slow-ass pace. Oh, God, yeah. You could make it, like, twice that fast, four times that fast, eight times that fast, I think all the way up to 16 times that fast. So you could, you know, just tap on your phone left, right, up and down. You'd be zipping until your character stops at a barrier. And you know how battles, right, can, like, linger and all that and all the animation takes a while for the actual battle to wrap up? You can have all that four times as fast and uh, or eight times as fast or 16 times as fast. So you're all that monotonous stuff is all wiped away, and you're just worrying about the action. Uh, and the best thing about that crystal ROM hack that I had played, all the in-game trades um, where you get like, where they you try to trade like a, uh, like a graveler for a haunter, but they have like that Everstone on it so you don't get the Gengar. Well, all those bullshit uh, in-game trades were swapped for legendaries. So this ROM hack, when you go to the in-game traders, like five of them, you can trade like a, a Metapod for Moltres and um, a Drowsy for Articuno, etc., all the way up to Mewtwo. So you can get all these Pokemon. And I think they included the Mew glitch in there too. So you can get all you know those legendary Pokemon, which did not exist in the original Gold, Silver, Crystal games, and to boot, you can catch all 251 Pokemon, including Celebi, in that ROM hack as well. So it was more or less a masterpiece, and in my opinion, how Pokemon should have been for the beginning. Yeah. Because putting on that game and knowing you can't collect everything without some, you know, 
trading with people, and even then it's hard with event Pokemon trying to get. I actually, because you could speed up all the monotonous stuff, I could I collected all the Pokemon and got all the legendaries for like the first time in any game. Wow. It was it was that complete and it was that enjoyable, and all the monotonous parts of it were sped away. Uh, playing that game, I realized how little the story was, but that after I played that game after I was kind of done with it. Um, so I don't really have any connection to the first generation. I started out with the second generation, and I'll never forget going up to Red the first time. Uh, for me, you know, I think what you're saying, like these, these, one of the things about special about the first generation is like people watched the show too around when those games came out, I guess. I don't know exactly when both started, but you can see all the characters in the games that you saw in the show and, hey, I remember those people. Now it's just a whole bunch of random stuff because I don't, I don't know how many people watch the show anymore. But Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. They, I, I like going back to games. Actually, I have, I have a hacked version of uh, Fire Red as well, similarly set up as that crystal one. I don't think I beat that one, though. Um, but still, it gives you the opportunity to catch all the Pokemon and uh, get all the legendaries. So I prefer that type of hacked version than the real stuff because yeah. it's not complete. Yeah, I kind of, I don't really like the whole how you have to trade with people because a lot of people enjoy those games just by themselves. I mean, I remember when we had um, silver and you had gold. Um, I think both of our batteries in our in our cartridges have died out. They're dead. Yep. But um, one of the the big things with that is I remember for like the longest time we wanted to like battle our Pokemon, but we could not find a Game Boy Color uh, link cable because the Game Boy Advance one would not work with the Game Boy Color games. So I remember one time, I think it was like after like a somebody's orthodontist appointment or something, we went to the mall and we found like that green translucent uh, cable. It had like, it almost looked like a uh, tinfoil underneath the green. Um, we saw it behind the, the desk. It, it might've been like a, might've been EB games. It might not even have been GameStop. Right. Um, and I remember we got that and we were able to do that. But um with both me and Kimberly having this uh, Let's Go, we've actually been playing like side by side, um, and we've been able to kind of trade back and forth as we get the Pokemon. Because unlike with the other games where you used to have to go to like the uh, healing station and you'd have to go downstairs and hook up and link up, here you just press a button and you can instantly trade. You don't have That's to be cool. anywhere. Okay. So we can trade right on the fly, exit out, resume. You know, you can do local or you can do online. And that's actually made it a lot easier. Like, if we both caught, like, a Haunter, we could trade them back and forth. Or we just trade them, and they'd both turn into Gengar. Right. So that that's actually pretty cool. Um, but there's a, like, there's kind of a weird, like, mesh uh, in this particular game. They actually put Jesse, James, and Meowth in this game, which I thought was, really, like, really weird. Really? Because um, usually you just have, like, the, the rocket grunts. There's not really any characters that you recognize from you know, an external source like the show. Yeah. Um, obviously, you recognize, like, Giovanni when you play against him. Yeah, and Blue, right? Is Blue in the game? Blue, Blue actually has showed up a few times, um, and they actually still call him Blue. Okay. I think in Japan, he's called Green. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And that's, I guess, Gary's character in the show. Yeah. Just like Ash is uh, loosely based on Red. Yeah. I think there's some... TV show where Red is actually a character. They actually did have uh, a show. You're right, and it was. I think it came out before. Oh, I'm trying to think what game. It might have came out around the same time X and Y came out, or maybe a little bit after. 
Um, but yeah, that actually, the animation for that was actually really cool. I actually really liked that a lot. It had a crisp look. It's like Pokemon Origins or something like that. I don't remember yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the title of the series. I actually would be kind of interested in that if they kind of made it a little bit more um, less watered down, like yeah. the four kids Pokemon. Um, that would actually be really cool. They need to make it like really violent. Yeah. <laughs> like cursing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's like, uh, you know, watching, because I think the, the Japanese version of uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! is on um, Crunchyroll. So you can kind of see like the differences between that one and the four kids, and it's just four kids just butchered a lot of these things. Yep, made it really dumb. Yeah, just, well, I mean it's still a classic, but yeah, know. and I think Pokemon for the most part, even in Japan, was more geared towards uh, the younger audience compared to like you know the Naruto's, One Piece's, uh, Attack on Titans, all those. Well, it's still it's still uh, I think based on little kids. Yeah, you know, service. Uh, Made made presentable to little, you know, to the younger folks. Yeah, uh, I think they can. You know, some games that you make your character like a teenager or whatever. You know, I think like the character in Generation Five is older than the one in Generation Four, and etc. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it would definitely be interesting though if they kind of rebooted that, like Pokemon series, because I'm I'm thinking the same, the one with Ash is still on there, um, but. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm so like far removed from that that I don't really have a lot of knowledge on on what's going on in that space. Yeah. But um, talking about Pokemon, we're gonna enter into our first uh news story today, and that was this happened earlier this week, um, and that was a Pokemon press conference. It just showed off some uh, you know, quality of life stuff. Uh, it was an app called Pokemon Sleep, where apparently you wear the new Pokemon Plus Plus, which is a kind of like a smartwatch type thing, but I don't think it has like real smartwatch capabilities, but it tracks your sleep. And apparently while you're sleeping, it does kind of like a Pokemon Go type thing. Not really sure how that's going to work, but it's a real thing and they are, they're doing it. So <laughs> it should be, uh, it should be pretty interesting to see where they go. Uh, from there, uh, they also have a Pokemon Masters thing, which I read the description for it, and it said you're fighting alongside of like your favorite trainers from the games. Is that like a mobile game they're doing? Is that, is that what that is? It's yeah, it's like a mobile game, but I don't really, I didn't, because I didn't really watch the conference, so I don't really know if they showed any gameplay. But I didn't find any gameplay. But it's, I think it's going to be some kind of just mobile battling app. Not sure if it's going to have like multiplayer or anything like that. I don't know. Um, and then the last piece of news from that was actually, no, there's a couple different things. Uh, Pokemon Home, which is kind of like a sequel to the Pokemon Bank, or at least a very similar solution. I actually don't know what happened to the Pokemon Bank. I thought that was supposed to still be a thing. Was that like a 3DS thing? I guess it was because it was like the first time they were using cloud storage yeah. for that type of thing. It was actually an ingenious idea. I think it was like for like a dollar per year or something like that. You could maintain your Pokemon in the cloud. Yeah, but the thing is, as far as I know, it's just a 3DS thing. It could be wrong. Yes. Yeah, but, so, I mean, like Wii U, did it have any major Pokemon games whatsoever? So Not that I remember. I mean, the bank was kind of a 3DS thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was because it, it was... You could actually, and I think this actually might apply to the 3DS as well because it does show the um, virtual console versions of like uh, crystal, um, silver, and gold, I think. Oh, it does. 
So I imagine that this also will connect with the 3DS as well, but it's also going to connect with your uh, Nintendo Switch and your mobile devices. So I imagine if you catch Pokemon in Pokemon Go, you are probably going to be able to transfer it at some point to possibly Pokemon Sword and Shield. I think that will happen. So that was my understanding of it. But basically, you get to keep all your Pokemon with you no matter what system or what new game comes out, which I think is kind of neat. It's a much better solution than, say, what they did with like Diamond and Pearl, where you had to put like your uh, GBA cartridge in the bottom of your DS and then catch them at like that Pokemon park with no way of transferring them back. I mean, to be fair, that was that was pretty awesome. It was cool. Back when I had, uh, I remember that. And, uh, oh man, I hacked the hell out of my... <laughs> Pokemon Emerald cartridge, which may be my very my favorite Pokemon game, and uh, I mean I'd have like all sorts of shiny Pokemon that I could bring over to Pearl, and uh, well, because you had an action replay, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because I remember you did something with my Leaf Green game and yeah, destroyed it. Like, which I'm very sorry. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. That's drop not the worst things. Pokemon crime I ever committed against you, though. Yeah, that was like. I mean, you did get me Deoxys, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and it actually had Poke Rust, which is like a disease that helps Pokemon yeah. growth, I guess. Yeah. I think that actually, that Poke Rust thing is something I actually did without the action replay. Uh, well, you, you, it's it's a rare condition on a wild Pokemon. I think that just happened naturally in Pokemon Emerald, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It definitely had nothing to do with action replay, but I think Emerald, it came naturally. Yeah. And because of the correspondence our games had, I think it got spread somehow. I may have even just given it to you, because that just spreads... That just spreads across your party. Yeah. And eventually it goes away. But if you keep a Pokemon with Pokerus in the bank, in the uh, storage boxes, it would stay with Pokerus essentially forever. Yeah. So you can have a whole bunch of Pokemon with Pokerus, save them. Hey, someone wants to contract this disease, so to speak, send them over to your box through a trade, and now you can spread it among your Pokemon. Uh, I think that increases its EV growth. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, I had like 30 Deoxys. I think all of them were like in defense mode. So I had to take them somewhere in Diamond and Pearl for someone to change them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I forgot all about that. I forgot all about that. Uh, yeah, each GBA cartridge, uh, each Deoxys that you caught in it, which I, with an event, I don't even know if, it, if there was an official event or not, or you had to do it with an action replay. Yeah. That's kind of like how the Arceus was, Arceus event was in, uh, Diamond Pearl Platinum, you had to get the flute with uh, an action replay. There's some other giveaway event, which is really boring. But, yeah, uh, Leaf Green, I think it was anytime you catch a Deoxys, it was mandatory he'd be in uh, defense form. And Fire Red, I believe it was attack. That's what I think, too, yeah. And Emerald would be Deoxys speed. Yeah, that sounds right. But, yeah, Generation 4, Generation 5. I don't know how Generation 6 and 7 are, but there's that there's special areas where you could change Deoxys uh, by talking to a particular rock. In That's little, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a rock, yeah. yeah. Like, there's a couple rocks, and which, depending on what you're talking to in this little area, you would uh, change your Deoxys form. Man, that's, like, super obscure. <laughs> it's We yeah. should not remember that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed your 30 defensive deoxys yeah i destroyed your leaf green game well that's the thing i would try to pick up like a new item and i couldn't because my pockets were full and if i tried to drop something it would just go back up to 99 as soon as i dropped i it. remember that yeah i messed your game up <laughs> big time 
Well, the actual replay did. <laughs> the bright side, I could catch as many Pokemon as I want with my unlimited Master Balls. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it, it just bothered me because when you transfer him from Diamond and Pearl, though, you couldn't get him back in your game. So you're like your trainer was just like without his like buddies. That like just bothered me. I don't know why. Yeah, I did regret. Yeah, if I had to do it over again, I would not have sent some of my more famous. I mean, the original Groudon from Emerald went to Pearl, and yeah, Emerald just wasn't the same after he and Rayquaza and Kyogre left out of that cartridge. So I would not have done it if I knew kind of what the uh, repercussions were because you only want to do that f- transfer to get you know, essentially really strong EV trained Pokemon from your third generation games into your fourth generation games or you're trying to complete a Dex. But when you go back to play that third generation game, it's going to be kind of sad that you have your best people gone. Oh, yeah. Best Pokemon gone. Yeah, because I turned it on probably about like a year ago, and I was like, "Oh man, I can't, I can't remember like any of this stuff, and all my favorite Pokemon are gone." <laughs> so it was, it was pretty funny. It's, it's just interesting to, to revisit that though, um, just because of how I guess different things are. I don't think action replay is even a thing anymore. I don't know, as far as I know. I don't know, but yeah, that was that was really, I don't know. It was just kind of like a, a wild, wild west type thing, and in the GBA era and I think maybe a little bit of the DS era. It was. Um but yeah, it was just it was just weird. Um so besides the cloud, they also have teased a brand new Detective Pikachu game for the Nintendo Switch, which I assume would probably be based around um or I guess the new next movie. I think it's pretty much confirmed at this point. Not officially, but it's pretty much confirmed that there's going to be a Detective Pikachu two movie so this would really actually give that a little bit more weight if there is indeed a game coming out which they basically said there's a game coming out so you know pay i guess we can pay attention for that because that's basically what the second movie is going to be based around i don't know if i'd actually get it just because i actually enjoyed the uh detective pikachu movie and i don't really want it to be spoiled for me but at the same time maybe it'd be cool to just kind of see a video like a movie adaptation of a game because i didn't i never played the original detective pikachu no me neither i don't even know what kind of game it is i always thought that it was actually a crossover between professor layton and um pokemon but after seeing that movie i think my assessment of that is completely wrong i guess i don't know so i don't know um, so besides Pokemon news, um, actually, I forget one thing. Next week, there is going to be a Pokemon, I guess, Nintendo Direct. I think it's going to be next Wednesday. I can't remember what the date is for that. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe the 7th? I can't remember. The 5th? No, it's the 5th. I think it actually is the 5th. Um, and that's going to be kind of a pre-E3 type of Pokemon event. I think this is really Nintendo's way of clearing the way for some other games such as Animal Crossing, um, other other different announcements that they'll, that they'll have planned. Um, so this is going to just be, I think, a 15-minute presentation on Pokemon Sword and Shield. We'll probably get a release date and probably get some more details about the gameplay. Um, but that's something to look forward to next week as well. So this uh, this next news story that we have is something that I guess yesterday it was official. There was rumors of this throughout the week um, that there was a leak in the release date for this particular game. That, of course, is Death Stranding. It seems that the, uh, the wait is over. I think it was 2016 E3 when they revealed that game the first time. That's right. 
um, a lot of people are really confused about, and I think a lot of people still are extremely confused as Absolutely. to what this game is. Absolutely. But there's a lot of anticipation for this game. Obviously, this is Kojima's first game since the last Metal Gear. I guess Metal Gear 5 is the last thing he made before this. Um, and then, of course, PT, I believe he had a uh, hand in that, too, with uh, Norman Reedus, if I remember correctly. That yeah. obviously didn't end well. I think a lot to do with him kind of being ousted from Konami. So this is actually really intriguing. Did you see the new trailer for that game? I got about two and a half minutes into it, and I had to turn it off because <laughs> I was like, what in the hell am I watching? <laughs> It, there's like some wild cuts there. I like I couldn't follow along. I think it was late at night too, so I'm like falling asleep. I got to turn this off and read about it. And then when I read about it the next morning, I'm like I still don't know what the hell's going on. So yeah, yeah. That's not to say I'm not going to get it. I mean, I mean Metal Gear Solid Five is like my favorite one of my probably my favorite game on the PS4. Yeah. Uh, almost almost uh, life changing. I mean that guy is a madman. Kojima is just a genius the just the goofy stuff he, he puts in his games yeah so i definitely get it i saw some gif i guess this was in the trailer where uh, norman reedus has this ladder on his back and then there's a cliff like a like, i don't know 100 feet away yeah yeah, yeah. 500 feet away he just extends the ladder and lays it down and he just climbs up on the cliff oh, yeah. I'm like, what in the hell is that yeah i saw that too i actually did watch the entire trailer i have no idea what the game's about but it was actually really interesting to see just like all the different things that were in that trailer. And it just kind of makes you think that Kojima's either insane or he's a genius just because there's no other trailer for a game like that. There's no other game that looks like, you know, it's doing something similar to what this is doing. Like this is like a, like we're about to see a Kojima that's not hindered by or controlled by any publisher or anything. This is him just doing his own thing the way he wants to do it. And I, the fact that everyone's confused about it, honestly, I think that it just kind of adds intrigue to the game because, I mean, there's no other game that's been talked about like this. This has been, you know, known about for the past, what, three years? Yep. And no one knows, like, a damn thing about it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And... It's just he he's on a completely different wavelength than anybody else right now. I think that it's something that games really need right now. And I I'm really like I actually did not care at all about this game up until seeing that trailer um earlier today. And it just looks extremely interesting. It's almost like Daryl Dixon from Walking Dead is in this like alternate universe and Oh, I don't. I don't, I honestly don't know how to describe it, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it. So I'm like really, really looking forward to that game. And uh, Kojima actually put out uh, a quote that PlayStation blog uh, went ahead and blogged about, and this is like the little statement that he gave. And he said, "People have created walls and become accustomed to living in isolation. Death Stranding is a completely new type of action game." where the goal of the player is to reconnect isolated cities and, and a fragmented society. It is created so that all elements, including the story and gameplay, are bound together by the theme of the strand, or connection. As Sam Porter bridges, you will attempt to bridge the divides in society, and in doing, create new bonds or strands with other players around the globe. 
through your experience playing the game or through your experience playing the game, I hope you'll come to understand the true importance of forging connections with others. So he has like a, a kind of a message behind the game, which I think is also really interesting. Like this one to me seems like it's going to be very close to like art. I feel like there, you know, there's always an argument are video games art. I feel like the way he's going about this and the way he's kind of crafting this game to me, it screams like a interactive, like art piece in a way. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and also there are some details about like different collector's editions. Um, I don't know if you've seen those or not. No. So there's like, there's various different ones that you can get, but the one for $200 actually includes a life-size bridge baby capsule. So the thing he carries around with them. (laughs) So apparently people have been, um, pre-ordering it already because I guess you can pre-order it, but it's like so bizarre because like it already has fans, but no one really knows a thing about the game. So it's, it's really strange. And I, I did go ahead and collect some, um, some tweets about this just because I was curious to see what other people are kind of thinking about it. And I think everyone's kind of confused as we are, because there's really no one that has like a super clear cut uh, idea of what this uh, is all about. So let me just go grab some of these real quick. Um, okay, so this is from Icewind Dale Gribble at Yelix. I don't feel like Death Stranding, like the Death Stranding trailer, is that confusing. You run around, fight guys, ride motorcycles, and sometimes it's World War One, and you have a baby. Seems pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, that's that's kind of what eventually the trailer turned into. It's like there's a motorcycle, but it, it doesn't seem like that fits into what I, I don't know it, it, it's like I can't really even understand what was going on um this is at mtn underscore 400 the only baby I'll have in my house is that death stranding feet a statue because of course I pre-ordered it oh my goodness <laughs> so uh yeah it's huge though I mean it's it's a freaking it's literally life-size like it's it's big it's it's just such a crazy thing. Like that that's like a conversational piece when someone yeah, comes over. Saying the same thing. That's that's what it'll be. Yeah. It's like what the hell is that? Yeah. Well, it's a funny story. You know. It it was Norman Fetuses. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, this is from uh, at Goat of Wisdom. Nice, basic, honest tweet. Uh, I'm so intrigued yet confused by Death Stranding, which I think most people are. I feel like even though people think this is just completely weird and like. Com- like completely out of left field and you don't know what to think about it, but it's still intriguing just because I mean, it's Kojima and it looks cool. It just has a lot of really cool qualities about it. Uh, this next one's from at sketchy bones. Honestly, keep thinking about this game. All the story and gameplay looks so perfectly dreamlike and otherworldly. And I'm super into it. Hashtag death stranding, um, which once again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I mean, it's just, it's almost captivating in a way just because of how unique and different that it looks. Um, and that's going to be releasing on November 8th, 2019, which um, I didn't think it was actually going to be releasing this year. I thought this was going to be a PlayStation 5 launch game with the potential of it being on PlayStation 4 as well. But apparently, um, apparently it's coming out this year. So, you know, barring any delays, we're going to be playing this game pretty soon. 
So we're going to go ahead and hop into the next news story. And that is Xbox Games Pass is coming to PC. We talked about Microsoft's cloud-based solutions with Sony last week. This is just another collaborative Xbox move that they're making. Um, Game Pass, before there were certain games, I believe, that could be played on PC. But now you're actually going to be able to play any game on the Xbox Game Pass on your computer, which is actually really cool. I mean, you're going to have like a full library of Xbox games essentially with a subscription-based um, you know, payment plan. Um, they did mention that they want to bring games to Steam as well because... Uh, they want to make sure that everyone can kind of uh, play on the same platform. Um, and this was on the Microsoft, I guess the Microsoft blog or Xbox Wire. Um, Phil Spencer said, we want to bring players together to create a shared player community regardless of where they play. So it's our intent that the new Xbox Game Studios titles include features such as voice chat, text chat, LFG, friends lists, crossplay across PC and console on Xbox are on a Windows 10, you'll find this functionality in the Xbox Game Bar, which will continue to evolve and expand. So uh, Microsoft, and I, we've, I've talked about this in previous episodes, um, Microsoft, at least for next generation, looks like they're trying to get people into their ecosystem, even if they don't have an Xbox. Um, you've already kind of seen some collaborations. I mentioned last week with uh, the Nintendo Switch with Cuphead. That was a Microsoft slash Windows exclusive prior to Xbox, I guess, lifting that and allowing it to go to Switch. And it's actually compatible with Xbox Live on Switch. So there was rumors that seemed to be put on the back burner, but who knows, this E3 could bring some crazy things. And we could see Xbox Game Pass on Switch. I always thought that if that does happen, you'll see the Nintendo uh, Virtual Console in the form that it is now make its way over to Xbox and get like a piece of subscription um, from that user base but then also xbox game pass on switch i think that would be extremely interesting um, and it would kind of put sony in a weird predicament um, because they kind of refused to collaborate with people but they did collaborate with the cloud so it's kind of hard to say what they'll do but i just thought that was really interesting because microsoft's approach is just so vastly different than what nintendo and sony have been doing so it's uh it's going to be a really intriguing E3, I think, for them this year, just because this is kind of where they start laying down the foundation on top of the groundwork that they've kind of set up for themselves the last couple of years now. So it's going to be interesting to see Phil Spencer's vision for a next-gen console um, and how it compared to uh, Don Matrick, who just completely butchered the Xbox One when he, uh, when he started talking about that um, back when uh, that system was revealed. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for news stories. Um, but, uh, very exciting stuff though, because this is kind of like a unknown in the gaming industry, because this is really the first time we're seeing like major companies collaborating with each other and just kind of giving up. I mean, obviously Microsoft and windows, they're already tied in together, but just seeing like, you know, the platforms just kind of blur the lines a little bit. I think it's really, really intriguing and interesting because I couldn't. Like, even, like, with the Nintendo and Microsoft thing, I couldn't imagine back in the day Nintendo and Sega, like, sharing data with each other and stuff like that. That's it would have never happened. It would have never happened. 
And it seems to me, just based on what you're saying, because I'm not really aware of what's going on here until I probably had to say Cal, uh, it seems to me, you know, if, if Xbox makes their stuff available through other media, it's just more exposure to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'll attract people to an Xbox. It's like the same thing with musicians uh, trying to keep their music under wraps. No, I mean, as long as you have that out there on YouTube and don't try to bring it back, I mean, you'll expose people to all sorts of your your products. So I think that's kind of what Xbox is doing here. The more exposure, the better. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, potentially, they could put out a piece of hardware that's powerful, but one that's inexpensive to make. And they could do that by, I mean, I mean they're, they're you know, pretty familiar in hardware. And at this point in time, you can probably make a pretty decent machine and still make it with affordable material. And if they do that, I mean, they essentially could basically just wager on software sales. And if you have people on other systems, so say Xbox Game Pass goes to Switch. If that happens... You can say, okay, you guys can play all these Xbox games. You can play Halo on the Switch, which would be huge. You, you can play with the players on Xbox because Xbox is cross-platform. Nintendo's cross-platform. And basically, you'll have all those people guaranteed subscription money that don't even own your system contributing to that uh, that pool of wealth, essentially. So I think it's really interesting. And, and even if they've just put half of the Xbox games on there, I feel like Nintendo fans... You know, be like, well, this is awesome. You know, I'm, I might just go buy an Xbox now. So I think it's it's really a win situation for them, and I don't really see any massive drawbacks backs in that because it seems like this is their plan from the start. It's not something that they're just trying to, you know, issue in last minute. This is something that they've seemed like they have planned for. So it's just it's very interesting that they're kind of taking like the, you know, the red ocean approach. Um, so it's uh. I don't know. It's just really kind of refreshing to see that happen. Um, I guess we can get into the main topic now. Um, <laughs> we've only talked like an hour now without actually uh, going into what the episode uh, would be titled about. Um, this this uh, next topic is basically an E3 wish list. Now, next week, I kind of had plans to maybe do some E3 prediction type things just because it's a little bit closer to e3 um at that point the pokemon stuff will be out of the way so that won't have to be you know clouded up in there um but i figured that would kind of be something cool to do um just to see if we we're right on any of the predictions that we uh we put out because the following week uh i'm planning on possibly having more than one episode just based around reacting to what went on at e3 so I'm hoping to to do that. So this though, you don't need to have any like uh, formalities. This this is like pretty much free reign. Like if you want to say, I want there to be at E3, uh, Animal Crossing X Nintendogs crossover where you are training the future villagers of Animal Crossing. You can go ahead and say that because, like, the, the crazier the better. <laughs> if, you know, this is like free reign. You get to wish anything you want. You're sitting on the uh, proverbial Santa's lap telling him what you want from E3. All right. Well, that was that was pretty wild. So I, I don't have any extravagant ideas <laughs> like that. I mean, there's definitely a couple of games I want to see again, uh, a couple of sequels, uh, Super Pokemon Mystery Dungeon 2. That's something they didn't bring up in the Pokemon press conference. 
uh, you know, we got eight generations now, I think, or will once Short and Sealed comes out. So uh, I'd like to see another one of those games. It's a Pokemon game that still has some challenge. Uh, Bloodborne 2, I think this is an obvious one. Uh, I mean, these games just sell very well. And, uh, you know, made for adults, there's uh, an element of challenge there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Bloodborne being the most popular of the of the games from From Software, I'd love to see a sequel. Uh, you know, I'd like to see, like we were talking about uh, Gold, Silver, and Crystal. One of the more reasons, one of the famous reasons, other than having two regions in that game, is you fight your old character from Generation 1 as the last boss. So, you know, I don't want to spoil, if, you, know, sp- you know, Bloodborne spoilers abound, but... Uh, at the end, one of the better endings is that you don't, you're not a hunter anymore. You're a different type of creature. So, uh, what would be cool for Bloodborne 2 would be like you, as another hunter, fight your old version's form from Bloodborne 1 at the end of the game. That'd be cool. Uh, so that'd be, that'd be, yeah, I would, uh, that'd be an interesting, uh, idea. I think it would pay off, uh, if they did make a game that revolved around another beast hunter. Yeah. Um, uh, and Sonic Mania 2. I'd like to see more from the uh, Christian Whitehead gang. Uh, they did a really good job with Sonic Mania 1. Uh, Sonic Mania 2, I'd love them to reincorporate the uh, Super Emeralds from Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which I think was a uh, was missed in Sonic Mania. I know why they, they didn't do it. You know, I just don't want to have a whole bunch of versions of Sonic getting more and more powerful. But uh, one of the things I'd say for Sonic Mania... That could be improved is the pacing. Once you get those emeralds, it's really going through the motions. Once you start getting good at the game, so a second set of seven emeralds would uh, definitely, I think, stretch out a game longer. Uh, so Sonic Mania Two would be my last one. Uh, they do such a good job, even with the nitpicking I do. Uh, I'd like to see what, how they can take that style of Sonic to the next level. That's all I've got. I've got nothing too nothing too crazy. Okay. Um, you know, no, no uh, mix-ups between two games and uh, training the new uh, <laughs> characters for for a greater power, whatever you were saying earlier. But uh, so it's kind of vanilla here. But that's it is really what I'd like to see come out of it. What do you ha- What do you have? Okay, uh, that was a good list. Um, all right. So the first game I want is a um, is a crossover between Animal Crossing and Nintendo Dogs. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, the first one it's it's kind of. Uh, Mm. Well, it's, it kind of goes two ways. I'd like them to release a remastered trilogy of the uh, Mother series on the Switch. I think that game is definitely due for a remastering. Definitely. Um, Mother I 3 like, never got its... I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, no. Uh, Mother 3 never became a, an Americanized version, which is a real shame. Yeah, which I mean, is ridiculous. Everybody loves Earthbound, and they know Earthbound, but I think you know, people love Mother 3, too, that have had the chance to play it. Yeah. It needs to be more accessible to people. Well, that's the thing. I actually heard Mother 3 is the best game out of the series. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just, I wish that they would go back, kind of give it similar to like a Pokemon treatment. Right. Um, Make it look a little, you know, polished for, uh, you know, a 2019 look, 2020 look. Yeah. Yeah. Redo some of the menus. The only complaint I have with the original Earthbound is that, the menu system is a little bit dated, but everything else with that game, to me, held up exceptionally well. If they could go back and just make a few tweaks here and there and just remaster how the game looks, um, oh man, I'd be completely sold. If that's too much, 
if having the trilogy trilogy is too much, which I think, honestly, I mean, they should just find, I think there's like some copyright infringements. I think that was a big thing with Earthbound. That's why we didn't really see that come back uh, earlier than it did. Um, and they have made changes and stuff throughout the years. But I think that with uh, Mother 3, it's kind of the same situation. I think some of the music they might not own rights to. I mean, just you have a ton of money. Just go out and, and fix that problem and release that game. And if they released it in like, you know, updated graphics, kind of similar to how Mother 3 was originally supposed to be, I mean, that would be that'd be pretty insane. Because Mother 3, if I remember correctly, was originally supposed to be a Nintendo 64 game. But what happened was they basically decided to downscale it into a GBA game. And I think that's what ended up happening. So it'd be kind of cool if you kind of see that more 3D look again, but just in the same style as like the original, like how the original series was just updated. I think that would be really awesome. It would introduce a brand new audience to that game. And I think that is like a franchise that could do really well uh, nowadays. So I'm hoping that happens. <laughs> it probably won't. But if that's too much to ask for, a remastered version of Earthbound would be just as good to me. Um, besides that, obviously Breath of the Wild 2 would be amazing. Um, I think it would be cool to kind of almost Majora's Mask type thing it, kind of flip it, um, and make things, uh, I don't know, just make things like crazy unconventional and just kind of change the way that you play that game. Um, if that wasn't good enough, I'd like to see them go and do Majora's Mask treatment to Twilight Princess. So I think that game is so similar to Ocarina of Time. I think that it would be cool to kind of see that style of Legend of Zelda with like a Majora's Mask type spin to it. Um, I think that'd be awesome. I mean, I'd like to see the Twilight Princess art style come back. You know, they go through the... they. The developers, the design directors of Zelda, you know, they, they lean towards that cartoony look with uh, Wind Waker and Skyward Sword and uh, Breath of the Wild. Not to, I'm not saying cartoony is a negative thing, but Twilight Princess was, I think was all of our, you know, you, mine, and our sister's first Zelda game. Yeah. And I look at that one as the standard bearer for other Zelda games, and when I encounter one that doesn't look like that it's like yeah you know this when i'm playing skyward sword i haven't played breath of the wild yet looks and plays amazing but it's just not the same as my first experience so uh i think ocarina of time twilight princess majora's mask they're all in the same timeline yeah so i'd like to see a game that kind of delves more deep into those three games relationship like uh, the hero's shade, right in Twilight Princess. That's like a skeleton version of Link from Majora's Mask, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the hero that just was forgotten to to time after Ganon was defeated. Yeah. Uh, and that seems really dark. But I mean, would people not play it just because? Would people not play Zelda just because of how it looked? I don't think so. So these games. Other than Twilight Princess, or you have a very cheerful look to them. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like they should go to that dark route again. I mean, the thing about Majora's Mask is that it's almost Zelda. It, it's you know, Link is playing in a world that has nothing to do with the cookie cutter Hyrule or that linear. Uh, well, I guess I don't know how if it, you know 
linear or you kind of choose where to go next. But when I play Majora's Mask, it's not like Ocarina of Time. It's not like Twilight Princess. It's not like Wind Waker. It's just different. It's like Zelda in a totally different game. So that would be interesting to have you know all those Zelda mechanics and the world just not be a typical one. Yeah. Just change it up. I'm not saying it has to be four big dungeons. They could expand on that, but I don't even know. Majora's Mask is so we- Majora's Mask is so weird, and it was made in a year. So it, I don't I don't know if they'll ever make something like that again with the money they have. I mean, uh, Majora's Mask was like on a bet. Hey, I can make a game in a year. I forget how that worked, but they didn't have a whole lot of uh, time to put it together. And what they did was remarkable. But it would definitely yeah. I would definitely see a darker Zelda instead of the cheerful ones we're accustomed to seeing. Yeah, yeah. Um- yeah, because I will say that Breath of the Wild, I think, um, over time has kind of become my favorite. And it's my favorite because I actually do like the art style, but I think the entire like atmosphere of the game and the setting of the game, it's really like serene in a way, just like with how like the grass moves and how, you know, there's just subtle hints of like the music that you are used to in there. But then you're looking around at all like the structures that you kind of, you know, saw in previous games in different forms and they're all like eroded and they're all it's like, you know, you can tell that something bad happened. Like so it's kind of has like this like eerie vibe to it, like overhead, even though you're kind of enjoying like a really lush environment. Um, So I'd love to see a sequel to that. Um, Besides that, uh, I'd love to see Spider-Man, too. Uh, my favorite PlayStation game, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'd love to see uh, PlayStation 2 maybe, or not PlayStation 2, uh, Spider-Man 2 sneak its way onto uh, PlayStation 4 uh, as like maybe the last game that comes out for it. Um, doubt that's going to happen. Um, let's see, do I have any others? Um, I guess in terms of hardware, I'd like to see them create a brand new Switch that has a better CPU and maybe a better graphics chip in it. Um, maybe uh, like Bluetooth enabled would be nice. Party chat system would be nice. That'd be just, oh my God, the way it is now is a joke. It's garbage. Like it's hot garbage. Um, that would be one of the things. I don't think this is going to happen. But once again, uh, this is the episode where I can dream and I can ask for whatever I want. I want there to be an actual party chat system in the game, similar to PlayStation, similar to Xbox, similar to PlayStation Vita, which came out before the Switch. All those systems came out before the Switch. We need an actual party system. If they need to increase the amount of RAM in the system, do it. Make it a a Switch Pro. But I'd like to see them do that. Uh, I'd like to see them improve the design a little bit. My my Switch is starting to kind of uh, age a little bit. It's getting creaky. The backing's starting to come up a little bit. I'd like them to make it a little bit better designed uh, this next time around and improve the Wi-Fi and include a freaking Ethernet port in the dock, please. I don't... I have... I literally have in like a 100-foot-long cable uh, running to running from my room to TJ's room. There's a reason I have that cable. Downloading stuff is way quicker with the wire. The wireless in my room is not great. So just please include a freaking Ethernet cable so you don't have to buy another accessory, the Wii LAN adapter, 
The WLAN adapter is what they recommend buying. That thing is like 10 years old at this point. Like, come on. Seriously? Yeah, no updates or anything. So I'd like to see that. Like a nice hardware revision. Uh, make it affordable. You know, make it less so I can I can actually get it. How about that? But I think I think for the most part, that is my wishes. A lot of the wishes that I do have, I think, will probably end up coming true. Um, that that's why I didn't that that's why I didn't really include those. Like Animal Crossing, that's it's gonna be shown. Like that's just how it's gonna be. Um, you're gonna see, uh, which I think because of the delay to Metroid Prime Four and basically the Retro Studios is gonna be taking that game and building it from the ground up again. Uh, there's probably to be a Metroid Prime trilogy for the Switch. I'd like to see them release Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 for the Switch because I didn't play the second one, but I actually really did enjoy the first one quite a bit. Um, so I hope they kind of include that with, uh, you know, I guess motion controls aren't super important, but they still worked pretty well in Odyssey. But kind of have like an alternative similar to Odyssey, I think that would be pretty awesome too. Um and, and you know what? I'd like them to have a uh, a virtual console, but this time around, because I think the architecture of the systems is so similar, I'd like them to include all of the Wii U games available on the eShop. I think that'd be cool. Because there's some Wii U games that I would like to play, like Xenoblade Chronicles X, but I'm not going to play them on the Wii U. Just not doing it. That system is dead, <laughs> and I have no desire to pick up that system and play it. Yeah, I man, that's what you got. You have to do something when your system doesn't sell well and there's a few good games on it and you don't support backwards compatibility yeah so yeah those games should be available on the switch in some form or another yeah and i think that you should um that they should go ahead and play uh or get what's it called uh super mario uh, 3d world is that the one that was on the wii u uh, I think 3D World was on... Wasn't that the 3DS one? I thought that was 3D Land. Oh, uh, maybe you're right. 3D World. Hmm, I don't remember. Because that was the one with the cats. That was 3D World? That sounds right. Yeah. I want them to bring that game back, and I want it to have four-player online multiplayer. Oh, my God. That's what I want. They should make that happen. Um, but besides that, I think... I pro I'll probably think of more crazy... Um, like crazy like ideas and stuff. I mean, I don't think any of these were really that crazy. Um, besides like, you know, the Animal Crossing slash uh, Nintendogs crossover, which honestly I think would sell like crazy. Yeah, those are two very popular. Those those two games have a lot of cult following. Yeah, it's like you're training the villagers to be functioning citizens in that world. Okay. Yeah. Like that'd be excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm sure I'll think of more. And if I do... Guess what? We can include it in the next episode along with predictions. So we can do whatever we want here. Um, now, we just kind of told you guys our E3 wish lists. So I went ahead and grabbed some of random people's E3 wish lists to see if there was uh, any crossover here. So we're going to go ahead and read these off. So this is at uh, Dre K. Or Drac. I don't really know how he prefers to pronounce that, but uh, his E3 wish list is Dragon Age 4, New Banjo Kazooie, Banjo for Smash, Animal Crossing Switch, and Paper Mario. So I don't think there was really anything too outlandish there. 
I think Banjo actually does make a lot of sense for the Switch just in terms of, you know, the legacy. You know, you have a lot of classic characters in there. And I've always been I've always been for that, like including some of these class <clears throat> classic characters in there. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. There are worse choices than than Banjo, so I'd support that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I th- there's there's a whole list and we'll we'll have to have a separate episode for characters we'd like to, you know, predict for the next few. Yeah. I'm sure we could probably think of quite a it's quite Smash a few Brothers. of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they still have four fighters to reveal, so we could talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine that we'll see one of them next week or the week after. That'd be nice. I mean, this will be a year-long thing. Well, not a year-long thing now, maybe like a 9-month thing that we it's, still have. It feels like a while. Yeah, it does. Feels yeah. like a really long time. Yep. Um, this is at why is you sad one my e3 wish list animal crossing 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 mario kart 9 uh mario kart 9 i think would be really interesting because the switch hasn't really had its own individual mario kart yet because mario mario kart 8 deluxe was just mario kart 8 with you know just like extra content with all the dlc so that would actually be really interesting to see what Nintendo's going to do in terms of that franchise because it's really the first time that a Nintendo system got a re-release of a previous generation Mario Kart. So I don't know how they handle that. I don't know if it's going to wait till the next generation. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that game sells well, but I'm so fed up with that game. Yeah. You know, where the most fun is when you're losing. Yeah. So... I think that's in most people's cases. They're not like pros or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really know how they're going to handle that. Uh, this is at Saber zero three zero seven. E three wish list. Re three remake, which actually might be a thing. Uh, new Dino Crisis. Not really sure what that is. Uh, new Banjo Kazooie. Another Banjo Kazooie fan. Uh, Demon Souls remastered. That's what I've been saying that too. I've been talking to my friend at work. The only way, and I think we mentioned this last week. Yeah, we kind of did. Yeah. The only way I'd play that is if they remastered it for PS4. Yeah. Because I don't want to bring a PS3 from your uh, stock here, <laughs> and and take it over there. I just don't want to do it. So it has to be uh, a downloadable game uh, for for me to play that. Yeah, uh, it's like we said last week that if you were to update that PlayStation Three now, just given how that system is. It, it would literally take you probably a week to, up, to yeah, update that. It's not worth it. It sucks. They need they just need to make all their games available on, on PS4. I mean, that is a... I think that was an exclusive. Yeah. Only on available on PS3. So, I think so, too, yeah. Uh, I think eventually they'll just, they'll just have to. They, I mean, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, I want to I wanna know how it all got started. Yeah. Uh, you know, without watching a walkthrough or whatever. But Yeah. I think that would honestly be a really logical choice. Um, especially if they want to tide people over until maybe Bloodborne 2 comes out on PS5. Or Dark Souls 4. Or Dark Souls 4. Who knows when that'll come out. Probably never. But I I mean, they remastered the original Dark Souls, so why wouldn't they remaster this one? Right. I mean, Dark Souls is the most famous, but Demon's Souls is where it got started. Uh, I'm sure it's probably a hard adjustment from these newer games. But then again, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just as good as the other ones. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's I think I thought that Great was pretty idea. interesting. Great idea. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, so yeah, when I when I actually liked that, I was like, yeah, you're probably gonna agree with that. Yep. Um, 
then the rest of the list says New Eternal Darkness, um, which sounds really familiar for whatever reason. I can't really put a, a picture to that. Um, and the next one's Illusion of Gaia ported to a current console, not mobile. Um, so here is at uh, Travis underscore McCoy, my E3 wish list. And guess what's number one? Demon Souls Remastered by Bluepoint. Nice. Uh, Dark Souls 2 for Switch. Okay. Which, that's actually, there was actually a rumor before the Switch came out that the Dark, that a Dark Souls trilogy was going to be released for it. That ended up not being the case, but eventually down the line, we did get Dark Souls Remastered on the Switch. So, Dark Souls Remastered on the Switch is okay. I I think a friend of mine at work has both Dark Souls Remastered on the Switch and on PS4. I think it just runs better on the PS4 based on what he's saying. Yeah. Like, it's I think it's 60 frames per second on the PS4, and the sound isn't as compressed. Mm-hmm. That's not to say it isn't a blast on the Switch, but I can see Dark Souls 2 going over there because Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin, is 60 FPS yeah. on, on a PS4. So, and, you know, Dark Souls 1 is perfectly playable on the Switch. I'm, I, I would guess Dark Souls 2 would be 2. Now, Dark Souls 3 does not run at 60 frames per second on PS4. In fact, when you play Dark Souls 2 like I've been doing and then go back to Dark Souls 3, it's like you're walking in slow motion. It's that choppy. I'm not saying I don't love it, but it, it's, it's a stark contrast. So I don't think, no way in hell, Dark Souls 3 would ever be able to run on the Switch seeing how poorly it runs on PS4. Yeah, I think that if they were to put it on the Switch, I think that really the only possibility of it running is if they did something similar to what they did for uh, like Doom and Rocket League where it has like a dynamic resolution. So that basically means that the game's resolution, and I'm, I, I don't know the you know technical details of this, but basically the, uh, the game's resolution will constantly readjust and change to accommodate for what's going on in the game and how taxing the game is on the hardware. Um, so I guess by lowering the resolution, it's able to um, kind of, I guess, it just kind of it accommodates for what's going on, and it kind of makes the game still run smooth at the sacrifice of um, you know high-res textures and stuff like that. So if you look at Rocket League, it's very low-textured, um, for far away things. And I think that's probably what they would do. Um, but it would definitely be handled by like an outside source. I don't think that, you know, they would <laughs> do that themselves. It's kind of a lot of work, I think. Yeah. I don't think it would pay off either. Yeah. I just, I, I think that if they made us like a switch pro, um, similar to like PlayStation four pro, yeah, then probably, but, um, yeah, I don't really think that that's going to be the case. Um, so the guy's third game on this list was, uh, this is Travis underscore McCoy, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. That, of course, is CD Projekt Red's first-person shooter. Um, it's in a cyber, or it's in a uh, steampunk space type of atmosphere. Um, looks kind of cool. Obviously, they it's very different than what they're used to. They're obviously used to the third person, like action adventure uh, type of game with The Witcher, and they're kind of flipping that 
like in a crazy way and going into a direction that they're not super familiar with. So it's going to be really cool to see what they do with a first-person shooter. Uh, great rune gameplay. Death Stranding gameplay plus date. He got his date already. Um, Halo Infinite gameplay. Square Enix Avengers gameplay, which that's actually a thing. We didn't include that into the, the news, but there actually is a Avengers game that's supposedly going to have four-player co-op. Um, that people are kind of making a big deal out of. So uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that in the next episode. Um, and then his last game is Star Wars Fallen Order gameplay. That is being made by the company that, I can't think of the company's name, but they made Titanfall. can't remember. But it's basically from that same company. Um, I know I'll think of it eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's a pretty solid list there. I feel like a lot of those things... Uh, are going to happen or could potentially happen. So that's pretty good. Uh, this is at Red uh, Artifice. His E3 wish list, and you're going to like this one too. Bloodborne ends. That's it. Yeah, Bloodborne. Yeah, we need we need more Bloodborne. Um, there's going to have to be a second one at some point. Um, it's too popular not to have a second uh, game of that. Uh, e uh, this is from at Plugal. My E3 wish list. Uh, is really just please do cool things Nintendo. Please do not do cool things Nintendo. Oh no, please don't do not cool things Nintendo. Uh, and then Animal Crossing Switch reveal, which is gonna happen. So his he's probably going to enjoy E3 this year. Uh, this one's that I has on. Not really sure what that. <laughs> what that is I, I probably butcher half these names just because everyone kind of has their own <laughs> thoughts with them um but e3 2019 wish list pokemon uh shino or sino remake is that, did i pronounce that right uh, yes yeah, i think it, i guess it's sino sino that's a good idea which, which we haven't gotten them yet two generations in between the generation three mate re, uh, the generation three remakes and uh yeah it's high time for that that's diamond and pearl right yeah, Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Um, Pikmin 4, Bayonetta 3, which is going to be at E3, most likely. Uh, Mario Strikers, that's actually one I would love oh, yeah. for them to put on the Switch. Yep. Uh, I think that would be excellent. Oh, you know what? I missed one of the one of the games that I was going to say. Um, a Mario-like GTA game, but all of like the events you can do in the game... Like tennis, soccer, racing. Yeah. It's basically like an open world 3D Mario game with a ton of stuff to do. But like some of your missions can be like, you know, beat like, you know, Luigi in like a race or something. And it cuts to like a Mario Kart. Like you walk up to the Mario Kart track, hop in your car, and, or actually, I guess you could just drive your car over there. And it would be a race that has Mario Kart mechanics. I mean, The Simpsons did it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's GTA. Yeah. Simpsons hit and run. Uh, Simpsons uh, Drive-By or whatever the first game was. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome to run over like Goombas with like your Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, Why not? I, yeah. That type of cartoon violence, I think that would work out great. I've never thought of that before. Yeah, maybe maybe if they don't want to use Mario, maybe that would be a good like Wario game. Sure. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. Um Fire Emblem Three Houses, anything, that game is going to be shown. Uh, and that game looks really cool, actually. I'm really looking forward to that one, too. 
Uh, more Nintendo mobile games, which I can do without, but it does increase exposure, similar to what we were talking about with like Xbox and stuff. If you put your games out there, people want more, they buy your system. Uh, Animal Crossing, that's going to be shown. New Saints Row game. Uh, I've never played any of the Saints Row games, but I think they're kind of similar to GTA, or at least they were at some point. Yeah, I played Saints Row's Saints Row 4. It's like GTA's GTA. They give you so much ability it's actually boring when did you play that uh, i downloaded it it was like free or something on ps4 oh wow i didn't uh, know that put a little bit of time in there but uh, i got pretty far i mean i got fairly far maybe 75 percent of the way done and uh i mean it is definitely an open world sandbox but they give you so much freedom and so many abilities to just be so successful with it's like the only thing I was wishing I was playing when I was playing it was GTA. I mean, it, man, I don't know. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah, uh, it is fun at first. I mean, you can like run up buildings and stuff, but it's like oh, this is way too much power to be to be fun. You see what I'm saying? It's like yeah, it's like it's like playing a game with cheat codes. That's uh, that's very strange. Yeah, uh, I, you know, it it is. I can see why people like it. And I did like it for a lot, but I could it couldn't keep me entertained for the whole game through. Unfortunately, okay. there's just there's just too much you can do. Um, yeah, and not a whole lot of variety. I mean, the area looks is just the ugliest thing ever in that uh, number four game when you're in the simulation and it's just like black and red the whole time. It's just like, oh my god, why yeah. can't it just have a day night cycle? I don't care if this is a computer thing. Yeah, that is weird. I, I think the if I remember correctly, the first two games were very similar to grand theft auto but then after after that they started introducing like aliens and stuff and then yeah. it just went out the window no it's it's just a ridiculous game i'm telling you it is entertaining at first and i'm sure a lot of people are entertained from start to finish it it just gave you it just i'm like i'm playing it i'm like i'm just way too powerful i can't i can't keep my interest it's like there's no challenge yeah uh, but it is entertaining. I mean, it really, it really are creative. Like I said, it's a GTA's GTA. GTA can run through cars with your car speeding at uh, 200 miles an hour, but you can't, like, run up buildings. I mean, that was just, like, it was amazing. But yeah. It's just like, wow, I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere and run away from anything in this game, and it's just like, Jesus, there's no challenge whatsoever. But that is really strange. That's my take. But I would recommend. I would actually recommend that, people listening. You want to just have your mind blown with what uh, – you can do in a video game. I don't think you ever play anything like it before because it gives you so much ability to, to do stuff. It's just crazy. But I don't think the world is that, uh, you know, I mean, it's just activities all over the place that you run up and do. And they're not necessarily entertaining. They're not uh, captivating. They're fairly simple mini games that you go to, in my opinion. So uh, de definitely, definitely something. If it's on sale on uh, PSN, I would I would definitely download it and uh, and see what you think. But yeah. uh, keeping my interest, it didn't do a good job of it. Man, well I think that Saints Row, the most recent one, uh, just released on Switch maybe last week. Um, not sure how that works or how how good it is. Um, but yeah, I've never I've never really paid attention to those games at all. I never really had a big interest in them. Um, so I actually find it really interesting that you you ended up playing that. Uh, you know, I saw on Reddit a long time ago someone made a comment that it was GTA's GTA. I'm like, well, that sounds pretty fun. 
because that was when I was playing GTA Five all the time, and I love that game. Yeah. Uh, so man, if this one's really fun, then Saints Row Four must be really, really fun, and it was until it just got boring. Huh. Um, another thing that I want to interrupt this guy's tweet real quick. Um, another thing that I kind of wanted to happen at E3, and I know I haven't gotten Red Dead Redemption Two yet. But the first Red game had kind of like this zombie overhaul. I think that it'd be cool if they did something like that, um, where it's like the story zombie overhaul, um, but also include online multiplayer um, where you kind of work together to kind of get through, you know, these open world situations with uh, all these zombies. I think that'd be a really cool thing to include. Once again, that's probably never going to happen. But like I said, it's it's my wish list, so I can wish for whatever I want. Um. So the last one on I uh, Hasun uh, tweet here. Uh, their last one was Pokemon Stadium three or a remake of one and two. I don't think both me or you played Pokemon Stadium. No, so I don't know what the big attraction is. We did play one of the greatest games ever made, not uh, <laughs> Pokemon Battle Revolution. Oh, that game sucked. Which was probably one of the worst video games I've ever played. It's not even a game. Like it, it's literally just a battle simulator okay so seeing pokemon from your games for the first time on a bigger screen and not in that 2d sprite form was pretty cool but the thrill lasted very very (laughs) shortly the the announcer was like garbage oh giant pokemon sure make the stadium look small this could get dangerous and just the way he pronounced stuff is you know, I I just could not get over like Reggie Gigas, Reggie Gigas, which I guess is the way to uh, say his name. But I always <laughs> thought it was Reggie Gigas, which I think sounds a little bit better. Yeah, it sounds way cooler. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, horrendous. So I don't really have any nostalgia. I know a lot of people like those stadium games. I don't know what the big deal is. Just I never played it. I thought Pokemon Stadium like you actually could control your character outside of like the battles. I thought mm. that's how it was, but I don't. Like once again, that's kind of before my knowledge of games when those games came out. Like right, that, that was all on Game GameCube and maybe even earlier than that, which we yeah. didn't have. So yeah, I think yeah, I think that is when those came out. Um, yeah, we never we never got into those. We've always been more of the traditional Pokemon uh, type players whenever yep. we'd play. Yep. Uh, this is from at Mad Jack Rabbit. My E3 wish list: Animal Crossing, Banjo and Smash, Spyro Switch Port. Which I thought the Spyro, I thought Spyro was already on the Switch, or at least it was going to be going on the Switch. Uh, Banjo and Smash again, uh, Rare Replay Nintendo Edition Banjo <laughs> Banjo and Smash, uh, SNES slash Nintendo sixty four games, which I think at some point they're probably going to be coming, but Nintendo is still working on the NES library. Um, you know, I wish they'd kind of hurry that along and just drop all the games, make this the ultimate Nintendo system. You know, give people a little extra for their buck here, even though you do have a reasonably priced online service compared to the others. Offer a little bit more. I think it would be great. Uh, Banjo and Smash, Banjo and Smash, Mario Kart 9. Another Mario Kart 9. I guess people are kind of tired of 8 and they want a, a, the next Mario Kart game. I would like to think that most people don't care. <laughs> uh, I mean, Mario Kart's always fun, but... I don't think we need another one this generation. I agree with that. Yeah, like this one. I mean, it has a ton of tracks. Man, Mario Kart's Mario Kart, though, right? I mean, 
our favorite one, I think, is the DS version, which yeah. I think introduced us to Mario Kart, if I'm not mistaken. And 7 is also very, very good. I love 7, actually. Uh, but uh, 8, man, uh, take it or leave it. I'd honestly like to see them take 8 and just continue to add DLC to it. Just add all the Mario Kart 7 tracks, add all the Mario Kart DS tracks, add all the Mario Kart Double da- double Dash tracks. Yeah. Uh, that that's makes what, more sense. That's what Mario Kart is, right? New tracks. Yeah. Right? I mean, essentially, yeah. Slight take, tweaks Yeah. gameplay. And they take stuff away, too, like designing your own logos. That was a DS thing. And I, I love that. I don't think that shows up again. Uh, you know, you we were talking about Major League Baseball this week and last week and how you can design your own logos yeah uh yeah mario kart that was in 2004 when that had that ability uh what uh, it just makes you wonder why they why they take some of these great ideas away that really kind of individualize your experience it doesn't yeah. make sense so uh, it's kind of an odd franchise i think nintendo did not want people to draw penises on their car yeah, that's probably right um because they had that huge issue with uh I can't even remember. It's such a long time ago. I can't even remember. I think it was like uh, some kind of note. I can't even remember. Yeah, on the Wii U, right? Uh, well, they had Miiverse, which right. you'd get banned for drawing, um, you know, obscene images. Like swastikas and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, you'd definitely get, you'd definitely get uh, kicked off for that. Um, but this is another thing. I can't, I cannot remember this, but it was basically like a really watered down messaging system. Picto chat. No, it that that actually would have been way cooler if they included uh picto chat for like an online. I mean, with hundred feet, what's the point? Right. Like I actually remember there was a uh, <laughs> there was a uh, news story where uh, they were like, you know, oh predators can find kids when using picto chat. It's like they have to be within a hundred feet of them. How that they could they could drive by your car and look inside the window and see that your son or daughter is on picto chat and then open up their ds and open picto chat it's like come on like it's, but anyway that that should have been that should have really been what the messaging system was um, especially cuz nintendo systems and i've mentioned this before have always the la- at least the last few generations have really been the most equipped to handle a text based messaging system because they have touchscreens the other systems don't have that um, but anyway, that's kind of just like a crazy rant. But after that whole debacle of people drawing and taking pictures of things through that program, which one day I'll remember what that a swap note, that's what it was. Um, but the thing is, is that after that whole thing, they shut down swap note. You couldn't do anything because people were sending each other inappropriate pictures in 3d. Um, yeah. Uh, so that kind of really made Nintendo not want people to be able to draw things after that. Yeah. Um, at least if it's not highly moderated. Um, like we've already seen some of the crazy things people have done with the Smash Bros. editor. Um, oh, yeah. So that might be part of the reason, but I actually like that a lot too. Um, I used to, you know, spend quite a bit of time actually drawing little designs. Uh, on the on the car, so I, I did like that too. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of Mario Kart, though, just add more tracks. Like Mario Kart Eight, I think controls very well. I think it feels very similar to Seven to me. Um, they feel very close in terms of like how it feels. Um, so just add more tracks. I think it's it's perfectly fine how it is. 
Um, so then he goes on to say Banjo and Smash uh, multiple times. And then Netflix on Switch, which uh, I'm sure will be coming at some point in time. It's kind of weird that it hasn't been um, already on there. Just because, I mean, it was on the 3DS. So how is Netflix on the 3DS and not on the Switch? Kind of blows my mind a little bit. Um, and then this one is Boomstick Gaming at Deadite AGK. Uh, he said, unannounced game wish list for E3 2019. A man can dream. The first one, you're going to like this one a lot, Bloodborne 2. Bloodborne 2, yep. Uh, good choice. Uh, Near 3. Uh, Time Splitters 4. Man, that is... Mm. Time Splitters, that was a pandemic? No, that was a free radical uh, game. Uh, that was, I think they were working on Time Splitters around the same time they were supposedly uh, working on Battlefront 3, and that obviously fell through, and uh, Free Radical is no longer <laughs> a thing anymore. We will miss them. We will. Um, WarioWare Switch, which I think could, honestly, at this point, WarioWare kind of seems like it would make a little bit more sense as a Nintendo mobile game. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'd probably be successful on the Switch. I mean, there was WarioWare on the Wii, the Wii U, I think. The Wii U's version was kind of uh, crappy. Yeah, I think there's a DS one, too. I guess it would work on the Switch. But yeah, mobile, I mean, those are really silly mini games. so mobile maybe it's best venue. Yeah. Um, then again, though, I know that like there's a lot of like multiplayer aspects to that, so... You know, for family room gaming with like, you know, during a party or something, maybe that would be something that um, would work better on a system on a big screen. Yeah, like Jackbox. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they could probably figure out something like that. I just don't know if WarioWare is really their top priority right now. We're probably going to see a lot of Animal Crossing um, and a lot of uh, Link to the Past remastered. Probably see a lot of that. But who knows? You Maybe you'll get your wish. Uh, Quake Reboot, uh, Guild Wars 3, uh, Baton Kaidos 3. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, I honestly don't really know what that is. Uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, 3DS remaster on Switch. Why not just a Switch remaster if you're going to put it on there? Yeah, port, uh, it's just easier to port, port the game over. Okay. See, I, I feel like with a lot of these other Zelda games... I'm going to miss that bottom screen for, like, the map and stuff. Yeah. Uh, three, 3DS, those Majora, I mean, it's obviously, I think, the best way to play Ocarina of Time, and Majora's Mask is to play them on the 3DS with that bottom screen. Yeah. You can even say the same thing with Wii U. I mean, you can have a whole menu sitting right there on the gamepad with the gameplay up on the TV screen. Yeah. So... You know, I don't think the Switch is anywhere close to equipped that is not equipped that way. Yeah. So yeah, you are. Yeah, you're you're looking at less. It's like at work, you want you know two monitor setup, not one. Mm -hmm. uh, you just see more. It's easier to navigate through things. Uh, so yeah, it would, uh, would kind of take away from those those remasters on the 3DS. Yeah, I just liked how um, you would have things like especially on, like the Wii U. Um, even on the 3DS, just so you could have like you know 3D, you could kind of minimize the things that you have up top on that screen, kind of see the actual game more. But then everything you need's on the bottom. I really like that. It was it made like organizing and understanding things very simple to me. 
And even Wind Waker uh, HD remaster or whatever they called it. I think it was just Wind Waker HD. Um, that one was really nice because, I mean, you could look at the map. You won't have you don't have to pause the game to you know look through all those menus. You can just go down and and touch a few things, and there you are. I really like that a lot. And even on the like the Legend of Zelda um, Ocarina of Time for 3DS, and I think Majora's Mask. There's actually a notepad you could access in the game and you could write down notes as to what you were doing. So I feel like that's actually like really cool. And if you're having a hard time with some of those games and you're trying to like, you know, remember some things, you know, you can have that available to you. Um, and I also think that the Switch needs an internet browser because if you ever need to look up a walkthrough, which I personally don't like doing it that way, um, but it was really nice with the 3DS um, or at least somewhat nice with a 3ds sometimes it didn't really work as well as it should have but being able to look up things on the same device and then going right back into it just suspending the software i think that's really nice too um, but i definitely am going to miss the bottom screen that was one of my favorite things about wind waker hd having that bottom screen to kind of manage like my inventory and all that stuff i really like that a lot yeah it was just save time uh selecting an item and so forth yeah so i'll definitely miss that um, and I think that also kind of complicates um, porting that over to the Switch because, you know, the Switch isn't a DS. It's not a 3DS. It's, you know, a single screen device. So it's going to be different uh, while, you know, playing it on there. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be kind of a, a challenge, I think, to do something like that. I'm sure they'd find a way um, they would just get rid of that stuff and just reallocate it to, um, you know, the, the, the normal screen. Um, but I think that it would, might be easier just to just to build the game up in, in HD and, and kind of roll with it. Uh, Salt and Sanctuary 2 is the next game you put on there. Left 4 Dead 3, which honestly, Valve needs to start making games again because they had some really serious IP that people really love. And if they started making games again, people would like just lose their crap for sure. So I think that would be... Uh, a really good move on their part, but I doubt it's going to happen. They'll go up to the stage and announce Ricochet 2, um, and that'll be it. <laughs> uh, Skies of Arcadia 2, not really sure what that is. And this next game I think is really interesting um, that he chose here, but this will probably never happen. Um, he said Zelda Maker instead of Mario Maker. I mean, if anything, there should be like a Sonic Maker now I those, thought about that too, actually. Those levels would be way bigger, I think, than uh, Mario level would. Yeah. Uh, just to make that uh, as engrossing as possible. But uh, Zelda Maker? I mean, damn. I mean, yeah, maybe if it was a 2D Zelda like uh, Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link or a top-down Zelda, I could see that. But uh, yeah. 3D World Zelda, I don't know how that would work. No, I don't think it would work with 3D World Zelda. Um, I guess you could probably just clip out some assets for the older games and maybe design your own like Zelda dungeons. I feel like that would be okay. But other than that, I think it would be kind of complicated to kind of go through that and uh, and do that. So I don't know. I, it would be interesting though if they did it and I would definitely be intrigued to play it. I just feel like it would be much more complicated. I think even... A Zelda 2-like game, I think, would be kind of complicated to do just because of all the different sequences and how things go together. There's just more to it than going side to side 
like how like Mario is. But I think Sonic though would actually be a really good maker because I feel like physics would play a big part in that. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of I don't want it's it's kind of like a roller coaster maker in a way, right? With all the loops and stuff you can install in the stage. So if if you do it wrong, like the stage isn't going to function. I think that kind of adds like an extra bit of difficulty to making the stage kind of flow. And I think you could probably get some really wacky designs with that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like I'd like to see the like the Sonic Mania people work with somebody um and do something like that cuz that would actually be really cool. Yeah, really extravagant levels and make yeah. them really friendly to speed runs and all that. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, who knows? That I kind of feel like that's more of a possibility than uh Zelda Maker. Um we just need we just need somebody to do it. Um this is the the last one. Uh this is from at N Game the Cube. I don't want a lot for E3. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the Zelda or the Fire Emblem Houses of Three. I just want Animal Crossing for my own, more than you could ever knew. Uh, no. <laughs> Make my wish come true. All I want for E3 is Animal Crossing Switch gameplay. Yeah, I mean, there's a... I'm subscribed to that Animal Crossing subreddit, and every other post is, you know, is is uh, Pokemon Sleep an Animal Crossing game? No. <laughs> Uh, you know, that old Patrick uh, is mayonnaise and instrument thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, hunger for a new Animal Crossing game. And frankly, I just, uh, you know, whatever. It's Animal Crossing is a really weird franchise. And it's the concept is basically life. You have to take out loans and then you have to pay them off. Yeah. Like that's basically the game. It like for it should not be enjoyable. At all. But for whatever reason, every time a new Animal Crossing is about to come out, I get super excited for it. It's like, yes, I want that. But it's like, you know, that's something that you basically live. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of customization, uh, collecting. Yeah. I mean, I played, a, I put a lot of hours into New Leaf uh, on my new 3DS. But, uh, yeah, I have no interest in getting another one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I put in a ton of hours. I think I had like a hundred hours within the first week of playing. Um, I was super into that game. That was that might have been like the really like last game that I was just like out of my mind excited for. Um, it was, I mean, I actually really enjoyed that a lot. I'm interested to see what they add this time around. A lot of people think they're going to add heavy farming mechanics to it. I feel like Nintendo might go in a different direction than that. Um, because just because, you know, things like, uh, Harvest Moon and, um, trying to think of the, the game, uh, there's, there's like multiple farm games for whatever reason. I can't remember Stardew Valley. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, you know, those types of games are really popular, but honestly, I feel like Nintendo's going to take animal crossing in probably a different direction. And I think it should, because animal crossing is just kind of a unique thing and they have like you know, every Animal Crossing kind of makes improvements here and there. Um, and I don't know if you knew, but the original Animal Crossing on GameCube did something really interesting. I think there there might have been a Nintendo 64 one, but the Animal Crossing game on GameCube was interesting because you could actually find uh, like old like NES games and stuff. And that was kind of like the virtual console. 
you could plug them into your TV in game and actually play those games. That's pretty crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was like a big collecting thing. And now that virtual console is no longer a thing, um, at least for right now, I think it'd be kind of cool to bring that back, have some of the classic games in there. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, that that was just something fun to collect, and that was like really ingenious of Nintendo for doing that. Um, the only thing I ask is that they pay tribute to Reggie in some way uh, in this game because I know Reggie uh, fils loved Animal Crossing. And uh, now that he's no longer with the company, I hope they still, you know, have some uh, shout outs to him in there. Um, because, I mean, once again, I mean, he was in many ways, he was kind of like the face of Animal Crossing last time because of how excited he was for it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that would be a really cool thing for Nintendo to do. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to happen, though. I mean, we've we've already heard about Animal Crossing. That's going to be one of Nintendo's big games this year. So all of you guys wishing for Animal Crossing, you're going to have your thirst quenched uh, in a couple weeks from now. And it's going to be really exciting, and I can't wait for it personally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of all out of things to talk about. I don't know about you. We covered quite a bit, so. Yeah, this was supposed to be a short episode, like really short. And uh, we are over uh, an hour and 40 minutes right now, so. We're definitely in gaming season right? oh yeah i mean may into june so kind of makes sense yeah yeah it's i mean this is like you know for gamers this is kind of like christmas time um and it's there's things about this year's e3 that kind of suck like sony not being there um they're kind of going quiet until the playstation 5 reveal um which could honestly happen at any day it doesn't really need e3 to to you know happen um, that's a little bit disappointing, but it just kind of raises the stakes because I feel like one of the the big three or the big two that is left, they're going to make a lot of noise now to uh, compensate for Sony not being there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Nintendo and Microsoft do. And we'll talk more about predictions next week. Um, I just needed a little bit more time to prepare for actual predictions of what is going to happen um, and, of course, we'll have some uh, awesome new news to talk about next week, too. Um, but, I mean, besides that, I mean, I am I'm out of <laughs> I'm out of stuff to talk about. My throat is like dry as hell right now. <laughs> we'll have more stuff next week. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening in. You guys, as always, can find us across all the major podcast uh, directories, I, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, CastBox, Spotify. There's probably uh, a few others that I'm on that I don't even know about because that stuff just happens. Um, but yeah, as always, leave some five-star reviews or any kind of feedback, even if it's negative, because it does help the show improve. And your feedback is definitely vital for uh, for the future of Game Pinion. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week.